0: Tonight, we're continuing on our juices series, and so let, let me just give you a, a quick review. You guys need a little bit of review last week? Yeah. Okay, it's been a long week, okay? Okay, we can't talk about enough, conference, right? Um, okay, so let me go to the first one. So last week, we hit on God's design for sex, and we said that God designed sex on purpose. Okay, so if you weren't here last week, one of the things we talked about, God designed sex on purpose... Sex or sexuality was not an accident. It was not an afterthought. It was not a mistake. It wasn't like God's hand forming you in your mom's womb and he's like, oh no, I added hormones. What do I do now? Okay, He wasn't like that. He designed your sexuality on purpose. We didn't evolve to be able to have sex or have kids or have orgasms. Orgasms. God designed human no, sexuality no, no. on purpose. That's right. There should be no shame and no guilt associated with sex when it be when it's between a when it's between people who have been united who have been united. between uh, uh, yeah, have been
1: united in godly marriage.
0: That's what I was trying to say.
1: Come
0: on. All right, why don't you give the other point.
1: Yeah, but God also designed sex for a purpose, right? And these purposes are designed to be, to exist within the committed, faithful marriage relationship that is blessed by God, and only in that context. And that's because sex represents being united in a profound emotional and even spiritual sense. And it also represents a very deep and powerful intimacy and vulnerability. And that level of vulnerability is only designed to thrive and sustain within a devoted marriage where it's protected and guarded and defended. Otherwise, our vulnerability is open to attack, it causes us to be unsafe, or it causes us to be at the mercy of others. And while we unpack some of the ways last week that sex can hurt through being weaponized, being utilized selfishly, and when it exists outside of God's safe purposes, ultimately though, One of the purposes for sex is for hope and for healing. And that's where we pick up this week. So I told you that Andy and I started reading the Bible a year. We read through Genesis recently. That's where we found the interesting story of Jacob and his love triangle, right? (laughs) You guys remember that? Yeah. Yeah, somebody said afterwards, they were like... I did not know that was in the Bible. (laughs) I was like, now you know that everybody is broken. For all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God, right? But just before the story of Jacob and his multiple wives, there's the story of Jacob's father, Isaac, when he's a young man. Isaac is the only son born to his mother, Sarah. And Sarah gives birth to Jacob when she's about 90 or 91. Yeah, it's incredible. She lives to be 127. Um, but she names him Isaac because his name means laughter. Because she says people, Joe, will laugh when they hear, hear what has happened. <laughs> and like, how could God have done this? But he did. God promised a child to Abraham and Sarah, and he fulfilled it. And so there's like this special relationship between Sarah and Isaac, because he's the son of promise. He's the one that God has said, I will build my people through. He's the hope that Sarah never knew she could have. Because back then, especially, having a child, was a, like a, it was huge. It was the mark that your line was continuing. It was a thing of status. And so Sarah felt like she didn't have that. And so Isaac, in some ways, took her disgrace away. And so they have a special relationship. So Isaac is only about 37 when his mom passes away. And he's grieving. It's a sad time. They had a close relationship. And so Abraham being a good father and knowing that he's not going to live much longer either because he's probably pushing like 140 mm-hmm. or something like that. He does what any good father would do, and he helps Isaac get a wife. <laughs> um, matchmaker. He plays plays matchmaker, right? Yeah. So, in Genesis 24, we find out about this story of Isaac and Rebekah, and when they first meet each other. Um, So, Isaac meets Rebekah, she agrees to marry him, and then this is the verse at the end of chapter 24. Verse 67, Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother, Sarah, and he married Rebekah. So she became his wife, and he loved her and Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Okay, just to help you understand, <clears throat> Isaac brings her into his mother's tent. This is a way of saying two things. One, she needed a place to live, and back then, men and women had their own tents. So Abraham, Abraham had a tent, and Sarah had a tent, Isaac has a tent, and now Rebecca has a tent, and it's very special because Abraham would have agreed to give his wife's tent over to Rebecca. And so there's this very meaningful family thing that's happening here. And he also takes her into the tent of his mother and he was married to her. So he went in there and slept with her to consummate their marriage and make it official. So what is happening here is that the consummation or the fact that they're having sex for the first time is the start of the comfort that Isaac is starting to experience after the loss of his mother. Because God has designed sex both to be a source of pleasure as well as comfort. The intimacy and the unity of marriage provides Isaac solace where he had lost an important relationship. That place in his life had then been filled by a deeper, more intimate, more passionate relationship. In the safeness of protected vulnerability, he gains a new and closer companion.
0: And we have to grasp that this is not an uncommon benefit of sex. This is not like one of those one-off stories of like, oh, okay, that's just one of the things that would happen in the Bible and never happens again. There are a lot of reasons why married couples have sex, okay? I don't know if you expected this tonight, but we're just going to go there, okay? So like Isaac, because like Isaac, sometimes married couples, they have sex because they're sad because they're remorseful, because they're, they're waiting to be comforted. They're in need of a connection. They're in need of that comfort. Another thing is that because they're coming back together after being lonely, after, because, they're, because they're apart, maybe some husband went on a business trip or a wife went on a business trip or something like that. Another reason is because they're celebrating. Like you get married or... I don't know, it's Valentine's Day, you get a promotion, or whatever, okay? Or it's Tuesday. <laughs> um, Taco Tuesday. Taco
2: Tuesday. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey,
0: when you're married, you, you just, you find ways to celebrate, okay? Say, Taco Tuesday's plenty of reasons to celebrate. <laughs> So celebrating, another, maybe obvious to you, because they want to have children, okay? Yeah? Okay. Another reason is because they're choosing to recommit to the covenant of marriage that they established. Does that make sense? One of the reasons that married couples actually become intimate is because they're recommitting, they're recutting that covenant to each other. And maybe it was after a fight, or maybe something they really pressed them as a marriage couple, or maybe it's just a a moment of, man, we are reestablishing our heartfelt, lifelong commitment as a couple.
2: Yeah.
0: And then there's another one that maybe they just want to. Okay? (laughs) Maybe there's no reason to celebrate. It's, just, it's not even Tuesday, okay? It's just it's Monday, okay? Nobody likes Monday. It's
2: Monday, okay?
0: Okay, Just throwing that out there, okay? So, hey, one reason we bring that up is some sometimes, maybe even people have been raised in a religious setting where some instruction was given that that sexuality or sex was only meant to procreate, only meant to have kids. And if it was any other purpose, then it was wrong. Okay, that's not what we see in Scripture. That's right. Does that make sense? That's not what we see in Genesis 24, where comfort came to a couple because they were able to act on their marriage vows, their marriage covenant. Does that make sense? So let me take it just a step further over here, where that's how God designed it. Does that make sense? God is not up there or with us. God is not with us and just making people just to reproduce people. Okay? He's not just about the population of the earth. Does that make sense? So your marriage, when you get married, is not just about procreating and having kids. Even in that, your marriage, when you get married, is not just about your kids. There is something that God is doing among all of that. That he wants to create something important and beautiful and reflective of him. That's why God has designed sex. That's why God has designed sexuality. It's for these things. It's not for to just continue on the human race. Okay? Okay? God is a God of joy, and he enabled us to have joy in many different ways. One of those is in our sexuality within the confines of marriage, but one of those, just in genuine friendship, in genuine laughter. God is a God that designed laughter. Right? There's times when you just can't help but laugh at yourself or at your roommate, or just like you don't even know, like God is just welling up joy in you. God does that. That's a type of God that we sing about. That's the type of God that we sing that, man, you love us with an uncontrollable love that we don't even grasp today. So that's why we get up here so often, and that's why people like Ashley leave her job and say, I want college students to know that God. I don't want them to miss who Jesus is. Does that make sense? So sex is just a wonderful reflection of our wonderful God. Amen? Amen.
1: One of the books that we read in the Kyopha Internship is called Redeeming Sex, and the author writes about how the climax of the sexual experience is like a a glimpse for half a breath of eternity where there is fullness of joy and fullness of of hope, where for a brief moment nothing else matters. And that just sounds like God. That even in the coming together, the experience of unity, he would breathe (coughs) hope of eternity into his people. Sex is very powerful. And it is not to be taken lightly. So we want to invite um, a friend up who has just been on an incredible journey with the Lord and God has been doing some redeeming things in his life. So, we you guys give it up for our friend Joe as he comes up to share a bit of his testimony
2: with
1: yeah.
3: us? Yeah. <laughs> Hi, guys, I'm uh, Joseph Fletchka. Um Joe. I'm a sophomore at. That's my guy. Crazy. Yeah, you still go here. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm just gonna um, go go through a little bit of like my history. Just gonna read right through it, and then we'll get to the um, the juicy part. I mean, it's not really juicy, but I mean, that's like a plug you know? Okay. uh, um, So. I grew up in many different places. My father was in the Air Force and my mother was a stay at home. She was awesome. <laughs> my parents would take me to church up until I was 12. <laughs> Thank you, I can tell I'm nervous. Um, I was little and I did not care about the authenticity. Oh, I just skipped something. <laughs> um, they would, I basically, I read the Bible a lot, but since I was little, I didn't really take anything from it. I was like, it was like how I would read like, you know, Hansel and Gretel or like. Right, yeah,
1: like a fairy tale.
3: Like a fairy tale. Thank you. And uh, um, I took the literal meanings from it, but no more than that. I knew of Jesus, not about Jesus. Um, Flash forward to eighth grade. Pretty big flash forward. (laughs) My parents got divorced. I was bullied a ton and hated hated any thought of a God. Since I had no relationship with God, I took all of these things as signs that life just sucks and that God did not exist. I was in a state of some severe confusion throughout high school. I tried to fill the god-sized hole in my heart with relationships and sports. Um, I would sometimes go to Christian stuff, but it was because I was looking for gr- girls or it would make a family member happy. <laughs> um, senior year of high school, I was bullied so much that my trust was gone. I, I went to a thing called Young Life for a little bit, but yeah. like senior year, I lost like all my best friends. I was like, okay, God does not exist at all. Like. It's just some fairy tale, blah 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 blah. And then, um, basically, what happened was in high and senior year because I didn't have any friends. I just looked for sexual relationships with girls as like gratification. Like if I don't have a girlfriend, if I didn't sleep with someone, um, I didn't have a meaning. I was just I was I was by myself and alone, depressed. I didn't have a savior. I I didn't know I didn't have one yet. So this is the good part. Almost, <laughs> uh, so last year um, I met Andy, Heather, I didn't know you guys were married until uh, I didn't know they were married, I just thought they were fr- really close friends, okay? <laughs> 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 no
0: <And>, way! <laughs> we are close friends, but <laughs> oh yeah. there was I mean, no reason for you to figure that out, like, yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah. Wait. based on our relationship so yeah. at that point, yeah. I was like, oh I think Heather You had done. you hadn't been to a juicy Talk. No, yet. honestly I thought I thought Heather was still in in, in college and that you were graduating. Was my okay, so <laughs> I, was like, I didn't know, okay. I only went to the Okay, so I met Dylan happy. Shout out to Dylan. Um, so but I didn't like them all.
2: So we'll um, so get deep really quick. So
3: um, coming into college, I, like I said, I was confused. I didn't have a savior. I needed one, okay? I really needed one really badly. I, um, I heard about Chi Alpha, but since I didn't trust anyone, I I used to ask, oh, these people are just trying to fill a number, they're trying to fill the seats. They don't really care about me. Um, so I, I just despise them for no reason. Uh, with, what I would do is I would go walking down Hamilton Hall. I would see um, Ethan and, D- and Dylan talking. Oh, go back up to my dorm, or or run out the other side, or put my hood up. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, <laughs> and I blocked everyone's number. Kimberly, Sorry about that too. Uh, and I just didn't go to Kai I didn't. I didn't really know what it was. You know, I didn't really care to know because I was too caught up. I was still caught up in the same thing. Um, this is where, like you know, we talk about like sex. Um, what's the word, what we did last week? It hurts. It hurts, it hurts, you know? Um, I was just too caught up in that main thought, like I have to have a girlfriend or I have to be in some sort of relationship to be whole. Um, and that's not true. Uh, so basically I was just caught up in that, going to parties, getting drunk, um, you know, failing almost every single class in my freshman year. And then one night, February 14th, twenty. 18 uh, I was just chilling. I was playing Fortnite, and I was talking to my friends. I was like, okay I want to fill all these passes anyway, and I was like I remember I remember Andy because um We sat on the couches like he caught me at the perfect moment So we sat on the couches and he talked to me about connection and going to a core group And I was like, okay, he's crazy, but I'll listen to right. him um, I don't need to do this anymore. So we're good. <laughs> it turned off. Sorry <laughs> um And then I was like, I was just sitting there and I heard a voice in my head. And it, um, I think it was the Holy Spirit talking to me now, going back, but it was basically go to connection. And then blatantly I was like, oh, that's nothing. I'm just gonna keep playing Fortnite. And then I heard it one more time, more stern. It was just very clear, go to connection tonight. And then immediately I got up, didn't turn off my headset, didn't turn off my anything, the game was still running. I just put the (laughs) controller down um, put on some shoes, and then I just walked out. I didn't turn off the light. Probably didn't even lock the door. And I was like, it was, I turned into like a little robot, like you know, like a force from like God or something. Completely came over me, and then I walked into uh, Too Juicy. It was the Too Juicy talk. I don't, I don't remember that it was about that. So everyone had oranges and stuff. And I, saw the- I saw the nicest looking guy. His name was Ulysses. Okay, so I sat by Ulysses, heard about Chi Alpha, gave my life back to Christ. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah. So, like, so it's like, the, um, the main thing that I can say is that just in that one, this one year from like, being in Chi Alpha, it's like so much growth. If you like, like sometimes, uh, what I think, based on what people t- tell me, like, to like, be able to have this type of growth, like, you know, praying in tongues, you know, like, um, Giving up things like, you know, like the six month dating commitment thing Um, or just straight up like just trying to change, you know, showing um, love to your family that's broken, Um, supporting friends that you don't really like, but you got to love them because Jesus loves you. Um, It was um, sometimes to get to the point um, is that sometimes like to grow, you have to take that leap of faith. You don't know, like maybe you might lose all your friends that you used to have go partying with. Maybe you won't be as socially accepted, or maybe people might look at you strange because they're like, "Uh, what is speaking in tongues? Like that was me when I was looking at everyone else, you know, and they're like, but it's like with God, if he was willing to, um, all glory to God, like this is how I think, it's like, if he was willing to take, you know, all those like um, whippings and carrying that cross in front of thousands of people just for me and everyone in this room, I was like, why can't I just take one small leap of faith? Mm-hmm. Like it might be big for me, but like growing, like growing for a whole year, it's like you just gotta you just gotta go for it. You gotta go for God. Mm-hmm. And if you um when you do that, like so many great things happen. Come on. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. I just wanna pray for Joe real quick, okay? Can you guys just extend
0: a hand towards Joe? Jesus, I, I thank you for Joe. I thank you that even though we knew him a year ago, God, he was a very different Joe a year ago. But you can change lives and you changed his life. Jesus, you rescued him. God, you saved him out of his, his own life. God, you gave him a brand new life. God, we thank you for that. God, we pray that we, have, we see many more people have lives transformed just like Joe. To your glory and to your honor, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Hey give it up for Joe Hey one of the reasons that we wanted Joe to come up one because we knew that his story really um, he had a dramatic encounter with God a year ago tomorrow right Yeah, tomorrow. 30, yeah so uh, but during the Juicy it's series birthday? that's right yeah. Jesus birthday yeah. So um, but what God does? among community, and when we gather, and when we worship Him, man, it's, it's incredible. And so one of our prayers even for this series is not just that we get to have a lot of fun, talk about sex, talk about God's design for sex, but man, we really want to see Jesus transform lives. And so it very well may be possible that even tonight, or last night, or maybe tomorrow, or whatever, that God is doing something in your life that may have nothing to do with what we're talking about, but as everything that God wants to do in your life. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so if that's true, man, we are excited about that. We welcome that. We want more of that. So please do not hide that. Please tell somebody about that. Tell one of the core group leaders that you trust. If you don't know very many people, you can talk to one of us after service. Man, we'd love to celebrate that with you. We'd love to encourage you in that. We'd love to help like, give you some practical next steps and, and put you right in the middle of a bunch of great friends that will love you and care for you as you walk along with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Amen? Yeah. Amen. So we're just praying for more of that. Awesome. I love hearing that. And I've heard there's some more. Even uh, I didn't know how dramatically you walked out of your room. Yeah, that was so good. That's, that's, oh, that's yeah. so new. like, that's a big deal. Like Fortnite, controller down, headset off. You know, was <laughs> like, Joe, Joe, where's he at? Like, I'm getting oh, shot, Joe. I'm over here, Joe. I'm getting yeah. shot. I was, I'm really bad at this, so
3: that's. I... <laughs> that was great. Oh, no, it's awesome. <laughs> was awesome. Yeah. Well, we mentioned last
2: week
1: that Amy and I have been married for 11 years. Mm-hmm. So, Woo! yep. The big one, two this year. the big one.
2: A big one.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they're all big. Ones. It's all
2: big.
1: Yeah. You know, we got married we'll on Andy's so. birthday. Did you guys remember Aww. that? Aww. Yeah. So when August rolls around, that first weekend of August, we just called the Erickson holiday because uh, it's Finn's birthday, Andy's birthday, our anniversary, his brother's birthday. All crazy. like boom, 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 boom. So, so we se- go we go dark for like four days. Yeah, to
0: celebrate, <laughs> I douse my truck or whatever vehicle I have in mud and I drive around until I get pulled over.
2: <laughs> but we
1: thought we would just give you like five punches of like, what is sex
2: like?
0: <laughs> I,
3: mean,
2: I mean,
0: okay, this is so fun. This is so fun. I don't know if you're happy, but I'm So, okay. I'll just be, be honest. Some of you, some of you in here, you may have had sex and you may have regretted it. Okay? So, but there's still questions. There's still things of like, I, I have a, I have an experience and I don't know if it was godly. I don't know if Jesus was honored by that. Okay? So part of that is going to go into this aspect. But there's another aspect of some of you are like, hey, maybe like, that has not been a part of my life yet. Okay? And there may even be a curiosity of like, What's it like? What should I know? Should I just like pretend I don't even know how to spell the word and then just get married and then like, hey. Is it like the
1: movies? What? Is it like the movies? Is
0: it like the movies? <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So, so we're just going to go for it. Okay. Go for it. Are you guys ready? Okay. We got like 10 minutes and five punches. Okay. So, so two there's, minutes of punch. Okay, yeah. oh. All right. So what is sex like? All right. Number one. This might be my favorite. You should write these down, okay, just because they're fun. And and remember them
1: forever. You should
0: write these down, remember them, and then tell your roommate about them, even if your roommate is not here, okay? Hey, guess what I learned about? No. That'd be great. All right. Number one Sex is like a crock pot. What? Everybody say crock pot. Hey. What? You will remember that one, okay? Guaranteed. Okay? Sex is
2: like a crock pot. <laughs> sex is like
0: a crock pot. Okay, these are similes. Okay? <laughs> right? What?
2: <Like> <laughs>
0: so sex, in some ways, it's like sex, but it also includes sexuality. Sex is actually slower than you think it is. It requires a lot more mature patience and preparation. Okay. So, like a crock pot, you don't throw raw chicken in a crock pot and expect tacos 30 minutes later. Ew. Right? <laughs> if you try that, you're all going to get sick, it's going to get nasty, okay, and then everybody's going to be mad, and then Taco Tuesday is ruined forever, okay? <laughs> so you don't open it up before it's time, okay? Like a crock pot, you let it simmer, okay, you let, let it do its thing, okay? It is worth the wait. Sex is worth the wait. It does come with a lot of responsibilities and expectations. And I just want to um, <clears throat> reference something that you guys probably already knew this happened. But uh, you guys know this guy named Justin Bieber? Yeah. yeah. Some of you guys yeah, know. No, okay. Yeah. You know, believers, whatever. So, Justin Bieber is 24 years old. He said in a Vogue interview that was published last Thursday, he said that he had been celibate, meaning he has not had sex, for more than a year when he ran into his now wife, Baldwin. What's her first name? Haley. Haley, okay. We're just reading a verbatim out of the interview. So at a conference in Miami, so the sorry singer... I'm just reading the article, a portion of it. The sorry singer opened up about his sex addiction, saying abstaining from sex helped him feel closer to God. He... And this is Bieber talking about God. He said, he, meaning God... Doesn't ask us not to have sex for him because he wants rules and stuff. Bieber told Vogue, he's like, I'm, he's like, I'm trying to protect you from hurt and from pain. I think sex can cause a lot of pain. Sometimes people have sex because they don't feel good enough. Because they lack self-worth. Women do that. Guys do that. I'm not saying everything Justin Bieber does or says is right. But, man, there's a lot of truth and a lot of awareness In that statement okay so just an encouragement for you guys sex is like a crock-pot okay it's not something you just throw together and then you have tacos in 30 minutes it's great in 30 minutes okay like it takes time like even your sexuality takes time and so even I'm gonna take a super quick side note right now you guys are in preparation for your your sex life in your marriage does that make sense your sexuality exists right now. You can't just pause it and then wait till you get married. And be like, okay, I hope it just goes great. I'm gonna, I'm gonna blindly throw stuff in the crock pot and then, ah, uh, hope we have tacos.
3: You know, okay.
0: right? It doesn't work like that. Okay, right now you can choose to honor God with your sexuality, and it goes beyond just not having sex. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, so sex is like a. God.
1: In Song of Songs, chapter eight, which is the book of the Bible, inspired by the Holy Spirit, included by God, that is about the process of becoming married and having sex. Like it's a, it's a several consecutive poems about this man and the and woman as they come together, and by chapter eight they have consummated their marriage, and after that. The beloved or the woman, the bride in the story, tells her friends, daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. She has come to the point where she has given herself to her husband now, and she's kind of reflecting on it, and she's like, you know what's good? To wait for the right time. And she even um, reflects earlier on that she kept herself, as a wall, which becomes like um, kind of like a metaphor for um, saving herself. She's a virgin. And she says, I am a wall, and my breasts are like towers, meaning they've been locked up. Thus I have become in his eyes like one bringing contentment. And she's saying because she treated sex like a crockpot, she waited until the right time, then that, that waiting brought deep contentment. In their marriage, when they finally did have sex. Amen,
0: amen. I, I don't know about you guys, but like, okay, I'm married. So this is gonna sound a weird statement, but like, I don't want to marry like an expert on sex. Does that make sense? A sexpert or whatever. I heard you, okay? you can't say something in the quietest moment of the day. So, right, like. I I would not want to marry somebody who's like yeah I I've I've experienced all things okay and then I, I guess I'll marry you okay no like I I want to experience that together Learn okay together. okay it's a total son- funny side note okay I was pretty legalistic growing up okay still working out of me okay so I never gracefully by God's grace I never got crazy physical with girls growing up okay so Heather and her just. <laughs> Because she's awesome. So, <laughs> she I basically had to, like, learn how to make out with my wife. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh. That's pretty awesome, okay? Seriously. She's still teaching me things, okay? Whoa! <laughs> All right, moving on, Moving on, move on. Anyway. <laughs> I said I wouldn't embarrass you too much, Okay. More about
2: the making yeah. out thing, but I know you guys think. Number two.
0: Number two. <laughs> okay, because somebody just walked in. Number one is sex is like a. <laughs> okay, you can tell them later. Okay, next up, number two. <laughs> sex is like a right State basketball game. Um, what? Write it down. You're gonna remember. You're gonna remember this. One. Friday night. This is gonna be flashing okay. in your minds. Okay. <laughs> I might be ruining Wright State basketball games, or it might be, yeah. So.
1: Because it should be what, babe?
0: It should be passionate, okay? Sex should be passionate. Sex is not like, it should not be like the dudes that stroll in halfway through the first half, they got like the t-shirts on their shoulder because they're too cool to wear their free t-shirts, they stroll up halfway through the student section, and they sit like this. And they're like, this game sucks. It's like, it's like why did you come? Like, why did you even come? And then they leave and they're like, that was lame, whatever. Okay? So, sex was designed to be passionate. Okay? When you're at a right state basketball game, there is no limit for how loud you can yell. Right? Okay? Or like cheer, or like like get excited about what's happening. Like, okay. Tyler is awesome to be next to at a right state. It's a real right state basketball game. So Tyler's awesome because like, man, he's wearing this shirt, like he's wearing like the, the wolf mask or whatever. And it's, they're just going crazy. Like that's how basketball sh- games should be, right? Okay, God designed sex. Maybe not exactly, but like I said, life. <laughs> might have
1: been a right state basketball.
0: Okay. So let me go do this
1: Proverbs 5, 19.
0: Before I lose you all, okay. A loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you be ever intoxicated with her love. Guys, that's the word of God. I think God designed sex to be passionate. Song of Songs says, The bride and the groom are so in love that when they are together, they both feel fulfilled. When they are apart, they long for each other's presence. When God looked at all creation and He said, It is good, He was referring to the sexuality and the sexual drive of Adam and Eve and them together. Does that make sense? Not like it's good because they don't hang out together. Okay? (laughs) Within the context of covenant love and mutual service, no amount of passion is excessive. Scripture says that our sexual intimacy should be exhilarating, like Proverbs 5.19. Believe it or not, we glorify God by cultivating a sexual desire to our husbands or wives and by welcoming their sexual desire for us. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So sex is like a... Right? Stay Okay, we're going to zoom through
1: these next couple because we're having too much fun. But number three, sex is like your best friend's birthday party. What? Let me explain. (laughs) Because it ain't all about you. Mm. Okay? You bring a present to the party. And you might get to take home a party favor, but you're not banking on it, okay? I'll let you think that one through. (laughs) There's an element of like, when you go to a birthday party of someone that you love and you're excited for, and you're watching them open the present that you gave them, you're eager for them to experience the gift or the sacrifice that you have made for them. It becomes then a joy to serve your friend. Does that make sense? It's not... um, because it's not just about the act of sex It's about having a healthy, awesome sex life With your spouse And it, everything about your marriage goes into it How you're interacting during the day How you're problem solving together How you're parenting together Those things then produce something that you celebrate together yeah. And it becomes a joy to celebrate the other person first corinthians 13 have you ever thought that maybe that gives us some insight on how to sexually love one another it reads this way love is patient love is kind it does not envy and part of that means that its eyes do not wander other places it does not boast holding experiences or things over one another. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. Meaning that there is nothing that happens in a sexual relationship with a committed husband and wife that is dishonorable. It is not self-seeking. That's why we call it your friend's birthday party, right? It is not easily angered. And you might not think that that's important in your sex life, but it really is. It also keeps no record of wrongs, which is important, especially when you're starting out and you're figuring it out together, like we mentioned before. It might not turn out great for you that night, but that's okay because there's tomorrow night. Whoa. It always protects.
2: Or tomorrow morning, I don't know what you're thinking. It always trusts.
1: It always hopes. It always perseveres.
2: (laughs) <laughs> love
1: never fails. Sexuality involves the longing to know as well as be known by your significant other. It forms part of what it means in Mark chapter 12 to love others as we love ourselves. It, is, it, it should involve sacrificial love.
0: Number four. So, repeat number three. Sex is like... Yes. Best, friend's birthday party. Best friend's birthday party. Okay, number four. Sex is like an 8 a.m. class. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay. Alright, yeah. Here's the, rea- the reality here. So, sex in your sexuality and your sex life when you're married actually forces you to grow up a little bit. Okay? Mm. Just like your 8 a.m. class, you either face it and grow up a little bit, or you avoid it, and the challenges that it brings, and then inevitably fail.
1: And that can create a lot of brokenness in a relationship. Absolutely.
0: So even that aspect, as good as it is that God has designed it, it reveals things in us that need to be dealt with. Just like when you get a roommate, we always say that, hey, before you get married, you should get a roommate. Okay, not that person that you're going to marry, but like... Daniel, before you married Rebecca, you should have got a roommate, and you did, okay? And that will help reveal things out of your lives before you get into a marriage setting. It's like, oh, man, this is super hard. It's like, actually, no, my roommate was bad, but my wife is great, you know?
2: <laughs>
0: so it'll force us to grow up. First Corinthians 7, 5 says, Do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent, this is talking about sex, for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So it even talks about putting sexuality within the marriage in confines of like, hey, it's not the idol. It's not everything. We're going to put a pause on this so we can make sure that we're mature enough with Jesus Mm -hmm. so that this can supplement our understanding and our relationship with Jesus, not be the focus of my life. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It'll force us to grow up. This verse hits on a few things that that there's a mutuality, in a sexual relationship of a husband and wife. They talk about their needs, what's going on spiritually. They make decisions together. They also don't willfully withhold sex from each other. We have these sexual desires that can be satisfied within a good and healthy, godly marriage, but choosing to withhold it is often manipulative and a power play. And when healthy sexual needs are not met within a marriage, it can lead to the temptation of adultery. So sex is not a physical need in the same way that food is. Okay? You guys grasp me on that? Mm-hmm. You can survive an entire lifetime without sex, without having an orgasm. It's physically possible, okay? I don't know what lies you've heard, I don't know what Netflix movie said, something opposite or whatever, or what things we think about, but like, it is physically possible. It is not essential to human Life. It's essential to procreation, okay, but it's not essential to a human living. Without the psychophysiological drive, many couples would s- slowly drift apart. We are, by nature, selfish beings who hide from each other, maintaining a steady pursuit toward and empathy for un- one another. One another, be- one another goes against sinful, <coughs> egocentric behavior. Married sexual, sexuality helps form us spiritually by shaping our priorities of what we value and what we esteem. That's right. That makes sense? That's why porn is so destructive. Yeah. Because it totally corrupts the mind about what's valuable. Okay? Our God does not turn away from sex. He, run, he wants us to run into it, but to do it so with His presence, with His priorities, <laughs> with His blessing, with His virtues... Marked by our pursuit. If we experience sex in that way, we will be transformed in the marriage bed every bit as much as we are transformed on our knees in prayer. Amen. Okay?
1: It can be very maturing because you're learning how to sacrifice for someone else. Right. You're learning how to not think just about your own needs. You're learning how to be patient, how to ask questions and how to like overly communicate in a moment when you're thinking it should be this amazing romantic experience and all of a sudden you find yourself going okay well do you want to tell me about your childhood and then that's all you do that night right yeah. and you love each other authentically that way
0: so sex is like a Amen. 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 Because they're not excited about that class, are you? <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're, they're, they're like other things too. It's not just an 8:00 a.m. class, okay? There's actually this. We're ending on a high note, okay? I think it's
1: interesting that we left this one for last. I
0: put it last. So. Oh, that's smart. <laughs> Number five, last one. Sex is like
2: ice cream. but <laughs> okay.
1: It is a wonderful dessert, but it makes a terrible main course.
2: <laughs> like we got some, some
0: self denial in the room. We got some blatant self denial. I love ice cream. Andy mentioned this, but
1: sex, like ice cream, is a non essential, although it is a blessing and a benefit. Okay? You can have a great. Marriage, a great married life without sex. There are many couples who are physically unable that still have deep companionship and emotional intimacy without physical intimacy. The strength of their marriage is unlike most. Sex can season our lives, but it cannot fully nourish our souls. And there's only one thing that can do that. Sex cannot replace God. It is very easy for the, um, for the chemical release in our brains to become something that drives us, something that we seek out, something that pushes us. But if the seek for that kind of payoff takes the precedent or the priority over other things, it becomes an idol. And there can, no, can be no other gods beside our God. And so that we have hit over and over and over again that sex is safest, sex is best inside the confines and the protection and the security of a godly marriage, of those who are seeking God together. They're putting him first. We can experience pleasure without making pleasure the idol of our existence. But it is a drive. It does create longing in us. It makes us desire someone else. And that longing reminds us that we are not meant to be alone. In the garden, God said, it is not good for Adam to be alone. I will make for him a helper, right? We need God, and we need each other. The two greatest commandments are to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. God creates a longing, a drive in us that drives us to be with and united to another person. (laughs) It's a good, awesome benefit. And it's a blessing. So marriage
0: is like ice cream. I'm sorry. It's not marriage. It's sex. <laughs> sex is like ice cream. <laughs> you guys want us to run through those again? Yeah. Okay. All right. Hey, can you guys stand with us if you're able to? You guys have been great. These last two weeks, we're super proud of you guys. You not bowed to the idol of awkwardness you squirmed a little bit you know but you guys I think God us. Yes, so let me close with this kind of a challenge and then I'm going to ask my wife to pray for us so for some of you guys actually probably very few of you guys I would say that marriage is not in your future okay I'd say very few of you statistically it's very very few okay But for most of you guys, marriage is probably pretty soon, within a couple years, within a few years maybe. Some of you guys may be a little further off. But today, this season, we all have a duty as Christian brothers and sisters to, to, to defend and to support God's design for sex, for marriage, and for intimacy. That is is one of our duties as followers of Jesus to support what Jesus stood for and what He designed. That means not only living out when you're married, but supporting your married friends, okay? And supporting and celebrating, hey, go be an awesome married couple. We celebrate you guys. Mm -hmm. Right? Not just... Daniel and Rebecca that are married in the room, okay? But your other married friends are celebrating them, not nagging them, not saying, well, once you're married, now I guess I can't can't hang out with you because you have a ball and chain. Guys, that's trash. I'm talking about celebrating the marriage that God has designed, okay? So, but probably even closer to home, for a lot of us, it means encouraging one another. It means... Encouraging one another on a daily basis. On a daily basis, encouraging one another to put things where they need to be. To grab hold of Jesus. To remind ourselves how good Jesus is now. And that singleness is not a disease, but it's a blessing for this season. It's not going to be forever. Okay? That the Lord will continue to direct you. Guys, I'm talking about the challenge that we have when we walk out of this room is to encourage one another on a daily basis and say, hey, God loves you. What He made in you is not a mistake. His plan for you is not a mistake. You do not need to fear. You do not need to fear that God doesn't love you or God doesn't have a great design, a great future for you. You just got to obey Jesus and trust Jesus. Guys, that's our call. As a bunch of of non-married, single people. Let us encourage each other, just like Christians would encourage each other that, hey, Jesus is coming back, yeah. right? But hey, that Jesus has a design for your life. And that's a good thing, and we can trust in Him, okay? And though we may have a crockpot right in front of us, and it's starting to smell good. <laughs> And the spices are starting to mix and intermingle and all this other stuff. And it's like, oh, I should just pull it off. Okay, let's just do this. Taco Tuesday. Okay, it's such the Taco Tuesday yet, right? <laughs> but really relying and trusting in Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, you know best. You know the perfect timing. And I'm going to be satisfied in you first. I'm going to be satisfied in your timing. And I'm going to remind my friends of that. And I'm going to let them remind me of that on a regular basis. Amen? Amen.
2: Okay. I'm going to have my wife pray. Let's pray.
1: Heavenly Father, it is an honor and a privilege to take moments and open up the word of God on such important topics such as these. God, I thank you that this, this very intimate design that you have created in us was not neglected, it was not overlooked in your word. And I thank you that you are a God who delights in bringing pleasure to your people. Yes, Jesus. That you are the God who is taking away all stigma. That you are taking away all brokenness. Lord, you are re- reconciling and restoring all things. And in this life, as we experience your kingdom now, God, we get to experience the, restore, the restoration and the restorative power of sex. God, I pray that this, this room full young men and women would be compelled to honor God with their bodies as their spiritual act of worship. That it would be a joy, Lord, to honor you with the way that they act, with the way that they treat one another, with the honor and the mutual love that they exhibit on a daily basis. God, I pray that you would protect them from the temptation of seduction. God, that you would protect them from the temptation to uncover things that should remain covered and that you would bring them joy when the time is right, the fullness of that joy as you bless and fill their marriages with your presence and with your love. We sang and worship you for being the God who is himself love. God, I pray that it is your love above all things that would ultimately bring contentment and satisfaction to our souls. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you do. In a name that is above all means.
2: Amen. Yeah.